0: Well, that's the question, isn't it? Are spoilers more of an aesthetic significance or existential? You see, Fritz Lang said... Well, regardless of what Lang said, the truth
1: of the matter is that the spoilers are often presented as a faux pas, and not what they really are, which is weaponized conversation directed towards someone specifically with the intention of ruining their human experience. Oh,
0: horseshit.
1: It's true. When someone talks of a film and gives away the ending or major plot point of a film, it's it's essentially quantifiable as a spiritual equivalent of Hiroshima or Nagasaki.
0: Don't be so dramatic, Glenn. Okay,
1: maybe that is dramatic. But it goes without saying that the best way to avoid the weaponized words in a conversation about film is to alert the counterpart that said conversation or statement
0: may contain spoilers. You know what? You're right. The following podcast contains spoilers for The Other Side of the Wind.
1: You haven't warned! Now I'll drink to that. Mm-hmm. hmm
0: proud of you. Jesus, you yeah, killed it. I don't him. know how the fuck I did that. <laughs> I essentially was writing this to try to give you as many words to trip you up on as possible.
1: <laughs> I think I might have maybe messed up on the Hiroshima part, but that was that But you was made really it, it seem
0: like a natural pause. <laughs>
1: yeah. Whew. Dear God, how do I even uh, follow up with that? Oh wait, here we go. What's up everybody and welcome back to KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Migusto. Hello my friend, how Mm. are you? My dear quantifiable human being of a species of man, thank you for (laughs) quantifiable.
0: You are unequivocally one of my favorite people in the Uh, entire world.
1: That's just hearsay.
0: TSA, how are you, buddy? I'm good. (laughs) Uh, I was actually really looking forward to this movie, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But Mm -hmm. how are you? I'm not bad. I'm
1: just living it up. I just cleaned the shit out of my room right before this podcast. It cool. was fantastic. Cool. Nice. Unequivocally, that is
0: nice. It is Election Day today, the day mm. we're recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, or apocalypse trying, Day,
1: depending on who you are.
0: I mean, it, Apocalypse Day was in 2016. We've been living in the apocalypse since <laughs> 2016's Election Day. It's actually funny. Uh, the first, the first thing I posted on Election Day was on Instagram was a picture of a sunrise because I got up early to beat the crowds mm-hmm. uh, for voting, and I said. It all begins. The end begins with a sunrise.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It all begins. And that was the
0: last thing I posted. Because I I just had a feeling that would be bad. Mm -hmm. But I had no idea. Um, Anyway, without getting into politics, what what movies have you seen this week? I have actually.
1: Going going back to further research how many movies I watched, I uh, was a little disappointed in myself compared to the last couple weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like I watched more, but (laughs) joke's on me. I only watched three movies. Oh, boy. Um, So I watched Harlem Nights, which was uh, actually directed by Eddie Murphy. Uh, It's a 1989 film with Eddie Murphy himself, Richard Pryor, a bunch of other hooligans in there. They're not actually hooligans. They're actually impressive men who are great at comedic things. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty decent film. I didn't actually expect anything from it or hear that it was fantastic in any way. I, think, I can remember my dad watching it at one point. And I was like, I'm going to watch that. Yeah, it was It was fine. It was comedic in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely had its moments. But I don't even know if if this was Eddie Murphy's directorial debut or anything. But um You could see he got some pointers from maybe some other directors in in his comedic films and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But overall, fun movie, nice and peaceful. I giggled, and then the other one, the other one, I somehow got you to watch, which I actually was not expecting, was uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman.
0: Isn't it Masterson? Is it or is it Marston? I think it's
1: Marston. Which uh, watching it, it blew my mind away. um, Mm -hmm. How good it actually was. Um, mainly from the standpoint of just like looking at it as this is how Wonder Woman was made <laughs> <in> this, <laughs> and what we have now compared to what it like turned out yeah. from the get go. I
0: think I texted you that was like, oh man, these people are horny as shit.
1: Yeah. Everybody is, everybody <laughs> wants their bods on each other's bods. It's true. Um, it's true. And also just like the background going into it and in, like, um, is monogamous couples, not the right
0: word, but, uh, like a throuple.
1: Yeah. Polygamous, polygamous, polygamous relationship. But it wasn't even
0: like polygamy. It was just like these three had an understanding and Mm -hmm. there was no one else involved. Polygamy usually is like an open relationship. Yeah. Whereas like, I feel like if, if they tried for it, yeah. My
1: small brain does not have. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but like just, it's crazy how like, not only was this like this movie wasn't just straight up about Wonder Woman. Like you got there eventually, Mm -hmm. but like it was the story of these people, um, and how one of them, or like, one of them's bisexual, and you know what? Now one of them, other, the other ones, is bisexual, but but the guy, he's like, well, no, I'm having a good time now, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's just, it's just a really like wholesome and like caring relationship. And yeah, then it didn't, it, like, yeah. like
0: it was definitely kinky and horny. Yeah, but it didn't cheapen it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just talking about this now, so I don't talk about it when mm-hmm. I because I did watch it, like you said. The thing that just made me laugh throughout the entire thing is that I remember when this was in theaters. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard of it, but I just remember a lot of old people going to see it. Yeah. And well, <laughs> also,
1: Wonder Woman, basically, it came out the same year, if I remember. So it was, I don't know if that was timed yeah. or scheduled correctly or I don't,
0: what. I don't know. But like, like, there was no young people going to see this. It was all old, elderly yeah. people. And uh, I wonder if they knew. Uh, you know, we often forget that. Uh, uh, old people get horny too. So maybe mm-hmm. they did know, um, maybe they did. or if they don't get horny anymore, they used to get horny. Yeah. And, and they, they, they want to relive what, those <laughs> they days. They want to relive those days. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I just to go over it before I get to my spot, I did enjoy it. Probably not mm-hmm. as much as you, yeah. but, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I enjoyed it more as, like, a whole movie than an actual, like, oh, this is where Wonder Woman came from or anything like that. Like, I did see, like, bits of this in theaters when I was doing theater walks and stuff, but I was like, maybe I'll watch this. And I was was blown away. Maybe that's why I gave it a higher grade than I should have, just because I expected less but got more. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, like, that was, uh, besides our movie, that is
0: it for me. Cool. Uh, Well, I definitely toned it down from last week, but Mm -hmm. pretty much... Anything would have been toning it down from last week when yeah. I watched 25 movies. Uh, I still watched more than I thought. You know, I thought it was going to be like seven or eight. It only felt like seven or eight, um, including rewatches. I watched 14 movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first film I watched was Palm Springs with um, Andy Sandberg and uh, Kristen Milioti. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a kind of like a Groundhog's Day scenario but there's two people in the groundhogs actually three people but you learn that later um and uh yeah i thought it was really good really entertaining and fun um it had very believable chemistry between the two main characters it didn't feel forced uh which a movie like that could often just have forced chemistry Was Um, was that on hulu That is on Hulu, yeah, yeah. if you have Hulu, you can watch it. It I do recommend it. Uh, Then I watched a movie called The Lodge, which is a horror movie with uh, Riley Keough. I'm forgetting other things she's in, but she's in other things. Mm -hmm. Um, And Richard Armitage, who I believe is from The Hobbit, which I don't even remember him being it. Maybe I'm just so used to him having a beard. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to look this up real quick. Holy shit, it was him. Yeah, uh, he, he he was um, Thor and Oakenshield in, in uh, the Hobbit movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just didn't recognize him because he didn't have a, a long beard. He still had a beard, but it wasn't a long beard. It wasn't crazy. Um, but yeah, that was pretty good. Um, it's definitely understated, and I, I really enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, so I, I do recommend that too. Uh, that one's kind of mixed reviews. You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it, or you're yeah. going to be like me and be in the middle. But most people love it or hate it. Then I watched a South Korean zombie movie called Hashtag Alive. Um,
1: yeah, that's been on the list for a little bit that, now. it
0: is incredible. It is really good. I highly suggest it. It's got the main guy from Burning, uh, which mm-hmm. we watched on the podcast. Um, and it's just it, – it's really cool how it's done. Like the majority cool. of it takes place just in this guy's apartment. Uh, not even the apartment complex, just his apartment. Um, and, and it keeps your attention the whole time And and – is got a lot of good humor in it too to kind of keep it light a yeah. bit but it's not a comedy it's just you know it's a, it's a well-paced well-toned movie mm-hmm. uh then i am going to please a lot of people with this uh i on thursday i had a uh cheesy um hor- cheesy action movie thursday and watched <laughs> robocop uh first time watching robocop from 1987 it's good I understand why people like it um, mm-hmm. I had seen the remake a while ago uh, and yeah, with
1: uh, the guy's name that I cannot
0: remember yeah the guy's name that neither of us can remember and yeah I really enjoyed it. I get why I get the hype it's definitely better than the remake even like having seen the remake first a lot of times you like whichever one you saw first but I didn't yeah. care for the remake I actually enjoyed this one yeah um, they just
1: went too futuristic and everything yeah where yeah. Robocop was good because of its campy 80s-ness mm-hmm. and it just uh the new one went i haven't seen the new one since it came out obviously but it was mm-hmm. the older older uh, ones are actually my favorite compared to a uh, terminator i think i told you that
0: yeah uh well i'm gonna get a terminator in a second but uh, oh, uh i watched con air as well with nicholas cage <laughs> john malkovich um and steve buscemi's in there um i love that movie it is it had to have been written by an alien like yeah. <laughs> i
1: hate
0: none that of it movie, but i love that none movie. of it makes sense for what any human would actually do in real life even like yeah. a, a bad human mm-hmm. wouldn't do the things that these people do um so it had to be written by an alien just from how he observed people and mainly from the dialogue the dialogue (laughs) it's it it felt like one of those movies you know like people post those scripts that are like i had a robot watch so many hours of this and then i had to write a script it felt like that yeah (laughs) and but yeah i i had fun watching it it was it was a good cheesy hokey time um so that's con air then on friday i watched terminator dark fate uh honestly so boring
1: this was the newest one, right? The
0: newest one with yeah. uh with um Sarah O'Connor's back in it and not mm-hmm. young Sarah O'Connor played by Amelia Clark that is in 2016 somehow even though she she would have been like 50 or something by that yeah. time. Uh, I the time travel was probably part of that. I don't remember. Nor do I care to remember. Um but yeah, Terminator Dark Fate was very boring and like even the action sequences were boring. It was like I feel like I've seen these things before like there was no ingenuity to it which yeah. is weird because there's the director of deadpool directed this one
1: yeah well there's also like the restrictions of like what the studio would want in the movies what i would assume
0: yeah what i don't but get is also, why do you why do you hire the director of deadpool and mm-hmm. not just let him go with it yeah like that's what i would have done But like hey if I were them, I would be like, hey, tone the humor down a bit, but otherwise you're, you're free to go. Yeah, do any um, action,
1: cool action things you want. I don't know what actually, this might not actually be the story, but it, he could have just fucked up on it. But you might have. I would assume that they were, they were like, hey, do these cool things that people liked.
0: Oh, no, I, I 100% agree that that probably is what happened because studios suck and kill creativity. Mm-hmm. But it, I just don't understand why you would hire the director of Deadpool at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, then I watched uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman women. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I thought it was okay. We talked about that already. Pretty better than I expected, but still didn't enjoy it as much as you. Then I watched The Other Side of the Wind. We'll get into that. I watched a movie called Columbus with John Cho and Haley Lou Richardson. Um, It's essentially about this girl who is staying in her small town in Indiana, because she thinks her mom needs her and not living up to her potential. Okay. She meets this guy who whose dad isn't from there but had a coma so he's there like watching t- uh, taking care of his dad while he's in the hospital and um they bond over architecture cuz his Ooh. his dad's an architect and she loves architecture and yeah. Kind of coming-of-age story a bit. Architectures, it's just awesome. Yeah. Polar <laughs> polar opposites meeting and then kind of learning from each other is yeah. the best way to describe it. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. Uh, highly suggest it. Then I watched Red Road, which, um, oh, I forgot to mention. On Halloween night, I forced Caitlin to watch The Witch. Ooh. She did not care for it. I did not <laughs> expect anything else. Because <laughs> she doesn't like weird movies where people get naked, which, you know, honestly, Shame I, on for, her. I forgot that people got naked in The Witch. That's how, like, inconsequential it is to me. Yeah. Um. And then we also watched uh, Ready or Not, which is that movie with Samara Weaving where she gets married and then her in-laws try to kill her. And then Mm -hmm. we watched Coco. Uh, That was on Halloween night. Sorry, I kind of backtracked a little bit. Then I watched Red Road, which has the actress uh, Kate Dickey, who plays the mother in The Witch. This is one of her films from uh, 2006 where she plays a um, security camera operator. Because I don't know if you know, but England has a bunch of security cameras. Uh, so they actually have operators watching them constantly to alert police. Um, and she's one of them. She sees someone that she knew from a while ago and starts kind of like stalking him in a way. Yeah, And you know that they know each other somehow, but it's not revealed until later. But that was really good. I highly enjoyed that. Okay. But then the movie I watched today was possibly the best movie I've seen in a long time. Oh, Um it's in my number two spot. Still hasn't beat The Vast of Night for Best of the Year, but it is called His House. Hmm. And I will say nothing more because it oh. may or may not be my plug for, ah, I see <laughs> for what they're doing there. Yeah, so I, I, I may get into it a little bit later. Uh, but that's all I watch for this week. Okay. Way more than I thought, but I also not nearly as much as. Uh, it's it's, well, it's I, at
1: least almost cut in half. Yes, yes. almost.
0: Yeah, and uh, we still waste a lot of time with that.
1: That's So good.
0: let's get into news. I don't have any yeah. news, but I believe you have news, and I believe it is sad news. I
1: have the lay sad news, just sad like news. Uh, any other news almost in this channel. Mm-hmm. Um, good old
0: Sean Connery
1: has passed away. Hmm, he's, yes. He's uh, no longer with us at the ripe age of 90.
0: I believe uh, he died on Halloween too, correct? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah literally Halloween, and... This is what I thought was uh, not not funny about his death, but how, like, where he died. He was in the Bahamas, just chilling, just like you would imagine, like, Sean Connery would be, just, like, chilling. Oh,
0: that's that's exactly how James Bond would die.
1: Yeah, that's how James Bond would go, 90 years old, in the Bahamas, just chilling. So was
0: he not (laughs) sick? Oh, he Uh, died in his
1: sleep. Yeah, he he's been sick for years, which is why he hasn't really been in the spotlight at all, obviously. Well, yeah, I mean, Other he also he also left Hollywood rainy.
0: after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. Which I mean, I love that movie for how terrible it is, mm-hmm. but uh I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um but yeah, sadly, and uh funny, I mean, he's lived a huge great life, 90 yes. years old, long. So, I mean, the man, the myth, the legend.
0: Yes. But moving on, James Bond. James Bond. Rest in peace, good old Sean Connery. So with that being said, I guess we should get into the other side of the wind. Yes. Jay can afford the Ernest Hemingway of the cinema. I just want to know what he represents. The man is infested
1: with disciples. I'm the apostle. Just like me and God. How could you tell us apart? Patrick's
0: new movie? The Other Side of the Wind.
1: What's that about the movie? We don't talk about the movie. So you all guys are trying to get with it. Is that what this movie's about? Well, we don't actually know.
0: What do we know? Jake is just making it up as he goes along. He's done it before. The other side of the wind. A Hollywood director emerges from semi-exile with plans to complete work on an innovative motion picture. It is directed by Orson Welles, written by Orson Welles and Oya Kodar. Or Kodar. I I said Kodar twice. Why did I say it twice? Um, (laughs) I said the exact same thing twice, like I was correcting myself, but said the same thing. Anyway... (laughs) Uh, that's how you pronounce it too, by the way. Oya Kodar. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't judging. I'm judging myself. That's the thing. It's uh, starring John Huston, Oya Kodar, Peter Bogdanovich, Susan Strasberg, Norman Foster, Robert Random, Lily Palmer, Edmund O'Brien, and a, a little uh, Dennis Hopper's in there too along mm-hmm. the way. Um, so the reason I picked this movie, if, if you listen to last week's episode, you know the one of the first movies we talked about on this film was "They'll Love Me When I'm Dead." Uh, or something along the lines of that title. I'm pretty sure that's the title. Um, and it is a documentary about the making of this movie, which Orson Welles was making kind of like a autobiographical type film. Because he was coming out of semi-exile uh, and when he was filming this. And it ran into a bunch of problems. Essentially took 15 years of Orson Welles to make to even get it to somewhere where it could be made into a film mm-hmm. and then he died before it could be finalized um, so then Peter Bogdanovich who is was a close friend of Orson Welles and is in this as uh, Brooks Otterlake, Lake uh, worked with someone else um, and compiled previous cuts and notes and memos from Orson Welles in order to compile this and release it via Netflix in 2018 Um, so that was a big reason why I like it I I love Orson Welles Mm -hmm. Um, I I think he he changed cinema and just with Citizen Kane Uh, we we talked about it a little bit in the, the episode where we talk about the documentary where he would come up with shots no one even dreamed of beforehand and it was all from him being a stage actor and not understanding that no one really did that and then when people asked him why he was doing it he would just say why not yeah um and so so you know regardless of who how the rest of his career played out citizen kane still widely regarded as one of the best movies of all time. I if think, not the best. Yes. I, I believe it deserves that. I know a lot of people see that and then they're just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's an okay film. It's not so much the film itself as it is what it did for cinema. Yeah, and It's one um, that
1: I have to rewatch because it was uh, one of the first ones you recommended to yeah, me in my I think earliest stages of trying to get into film.
0: Yeah, I think you would appreciate it a lot more now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, Citizen Kane's been a major influence to me throughout my life um it's not my favorite movie it's not even in my top 10 maybe not even my top 20 favorite movies but yeah it is a highly regarded film in my life uh and i was really excited to see this and um yeah how, how should we get into this i don't i don't really know um <laughs> yeah cause... it's it's very obvious i'm sorry to cut you off it's very yeah. obvious that this is semi-autobiographical yeah because you could see a lot of Orson Welles in John Houston. John Houston obviously puts his kind of rugged persona onto it, mm-hmm. but as far as his character and all the critiques that he was receiving, yeah, that is it just definitely, seemed pretty
1: blatant that it was more about him, than exactly, just some random bloke. Um, yeah, I was, I was kind of struggling, to uh, even kind of finding uh, topics because, like, we did that episode two years ago. Glenn has yeah. small brain. Glenn doesn't remember most of it, to be honest. Small, smooth brain. <laughs> Small, yeah. smooth brain.
0: I mean, I'm in the same boat. While I was watching I was like, damn, I should have watched the documentary again yeah. before this.
1: Um, um, or even just like listen to that podcast or just watch that documentary again. Probably would have helped a whole lot. Yeah. But Glenn likes to watch movies like the day of the podcast. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> you it's, do. You really do. I, I, want, I want the freshness to all be there so we can talk about it and mm-hmm. I don't lose any thoughts. Um. So, yeah, I messed up a little bit. So it's it's going to be pretty difficult as far as like going back to the documentary goes or anything like mm-hmm. that. Even my Orson Welles knowledge isn't exactly the best
0: or yeah. at all. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here, baby boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, I think the number one thing about this film, obviously, it wasn't. Finalized by Orson Welles himself, yes. as he had died in 1985, and they um,
1: they made that pretty clear right from the get go. Exactly,
0: they, and e- even they even take Peter Bogdanovich's character in the very beginning, do a little voiceover, and mm-hmm. make it the exact same scenario that happened, but it's his character editing the film for him uh, after his death, which happened mm-hmm. the night of this party in question. Uh, the the I think the thing that jumps out the most though is obviously the way it was filmed. Yeah. The way it's filmed, it's filmed documentary style, uh, where but it's it's more so in a way. <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is every documentary I've ever seen on the J- JFK assassination, <laughs> where the government went out and got as many people's footage from when it happened, <laughs> yeah, to get as many angles as they could to really try to solve this thing, um, and, and it, you know it cuts back between color and black and white uh you know bad exposure good exposure it's it's all over the place stylistically which you think would be a jumbled mess but in my mind the way it is cut is so smooth that you barely even recognize when it cuts from black and white to color which is obviously the biggest change it's done so smoothly that it is seamless you know it, it's almost as if it was shot that way on purpose which it was mm-hmm. but you know the way it's told is that it was just a compilation of everyone's footage yeah. um i think that's the biggest takeaway from this is that they you know he for his last film he really experimented with a whole bunch of shit yeah and and,
1: and of course with from what i remember there was they did say that there was like hundreds of hours but like that is a shit ton of footage that you have to that you have to like siphon through just to edit yeah and i mean as far as that goes the editing team on this movie is uh deserve top tier brass absolutely because of how well it it went through
0: i i i mean obviously i'm sure there was a way to do this but the Mm. thing that kind of grabbed me the most is there's obviously some scenes are filmed in 16 millimeter i think there might be some eight millimeter in there the films from the actual movie are 35 millimeter, mm-hmm. maybe even 70 millimeter. I don't know for certain, uh, but you have all these different formats coming together. And this is before they edited with computers. So I'm sure they had a way in mind, but, you know, it's I'm not surprised that they didn't really edit it until n- nowadays where you really all you have to do is digitize all those. Yeah. Those files. Or those those reels, and then and then edit them in the computer. But I really am curious how he would have done it, editing reel to reel like they used to uh, back in the day. Um, I don't know if
1: there ever was an intention to like finish it. It kind of just kept going, right?
0: That's a that's a very inter- interesting interesting um, point to bring up because yeah, I know that he. Worked on it for 15 years. A lot of it was political. <laughs> he said, uh, political and, um, and, and, uh, technical. I don't know if he said technical, but he, he they, they listed reasons why it wasn't filmed or finished in the 15 years before his death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't recall what it is. Political was one of them, which I thought was weird. I don't know how poli- yeah. politics get into this. Uh, granted, it was the 70s and 80s, so who knows? Um, Yeah, I mean, knowing Orson Welles, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just kind of going with it and then had no intention of finishing it.
1: Just straight maybe some spite. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I I don't think – I mean, again, I don't know too much about it. But I don't think there was any real intention. And it seemed that way, that there was ever really intention to finish the film. Yeah. Uh, They ran out of budget because he wouldn't finish it and just the the obscure things that he would do and just on on set and just all – I mean, just – you could see this movie, all the shit that happens in it over the hundred hours of filming. I don't personally think that there was ever an intention to film. It just kept going and he wanted to keep changing things and he kept going with it and it kept going. Yeah. And obviously, eventually it had to stop going. Um, and then we finally got this, this one right here, which, I mean, personally, I think as the story alone, I think he definitely wanted to show... What he was going through throughout everything mm-hmm. in like Hollywood and stuff like that, and wanting to drive it all away from him and stuff like that. And uh, oh, yeah, he, as, yeah, as a movie as a whole, like I, I enjoyed it, but it definitely was very blatant about him and stuff like that, so it was yeah, hard to take absolutely. that.
0: I mean, it made you hate. Hollywood and and yeah. filmmakers the the thing that kind of got me the most is the uh you know we kind of we kind of satired it in our spoiler opening mm-hmm. where it's just all these people talking about films using nonsense filler words that don't really mean anything yeah and, and that's always the thing like i i've always disliked those kinds of people uh just because what they're saying is empty in a way like they're trying to
1: they're trying to sound super smart. just yeah, for Yeah, they're trying something to break it down to a words. science
0: and not an emotion, which is all what film and art is supposed to be. It's about emotion. Yeah, and emotion, for lack of a better word, is dumb. Like you don't need you don't need to overanalyze emotion because it it's it doesn't matter what the intention was. It's it's what you felt um, mm-hmm. to kind of piggyback off of that which like as as much as i don't like david lynch as a filmmaker mm-hmm. i've always admired that about him is that he never explains his movies he's always just like how did it make you feel then that's what it was yeah. uh, and whereas these people are like trying to break down every single thing and, and that's the beauty about film is that you don't really need to you you we obviously like breaking things down here but not not to the extent that they were yeah, trying to not to a super to find,
1: extent with you know scissors and a knife
0: yeah trying to like find that. meaning in nothing um kind of another a real life example of this is there's a documentary about the beatles and there's someone who oh, start on the beatles yeah they all killed themselves in virgin <laughs> suicides um, no but they, uh, someone broke onto john lennon's property not with any ill intent obviously a he died later on, and it wasn't from this. But the uh, person was saying, "Was oh, this song you wrote it about me. This is this song is about me." And John Lennon was just like, kind of like Thanos. He was like, "I don't even know who you are," and <laughs> and that's the thing that always got me about like music snobs and and film snobs is that they always overanalyze things and make them too personal and don't yeah. just accept it for what it is. And, and I feel like he was definitely really harsh on those people, rightfully so. Yeah. Um, but it, it just kind of gave me PTSD of being in film school and people just talking like that. And I'm like, no, no.
1: People who go out of their way to sound super educated or want to express their education and stuff like that or just like, that's kind of the thing that they're doing here. It's just like, it's, yeah. it's just
0: i just asked how you're doing <laughs> yeah it's one step above people that tell you what their iq is yeah <laughs> um but the, oh, overall like i i think that the intent of this film is there i i re i enjoyed it for the most part but i feel like it kind of lost its way from time to time i think it had a strong beginning yeah. a strong end Parts in the middle were very strong, but overall, I feel like it kind of lost itself along the way. Yeah. Um, and it always came back around to it, but
1: – Well, and it, that's, that's also the thing that it has this movie is that there was – I don't think there was ever really an intentional goal to where it was going. It just yeah. went and yeah. changed things.
0: And that's and so kind of what the documentary is about, right? Yeah. Did you rewatch um, the documentary after or – I know. Uh, <laughs> okay yeah and you're, you're talking more about the documentary well, than I thought.
1: As, as i'm as i'm talking about this i kind of remember more yeah about about the documentary he, he liked how,
0: fudgesicles yeah he liked fudges i remember that he much. was
1: living with the cameraman at a certain point and mm-hmm. living off of him there's like that one was a huge one um yeah i i don't know i don't know it's hard to even write this because a it was never finalized in any way by him yeah it's like i it, think
0: that this is obviously because he is dead as close as we'll ever get yeah. to his uh, his vision, vision but it's not even his vision it's it's what people think his vision was yeah uh,
1: about like the entirety of the movie like i i was lost in the beginning because like i'm jumping into it and there's all these different camera angles and shots and people talking really fast and really mm-hmm. long and then i'm just like this is what i'm in for <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and i just roller coaster strapped on and then it went for there And i was really enjoying the middle part when they got to the the ranch uh i was really enjoying that whole part until they like uh, not before they left but at a certain point at the ranch i kind of clocked out not clocked out but like lost as much interest as i had during mm-hmm. the ranch part the middle was strong for me when they were watching the film when they were going into the entirety of making the film as well it's just a it's a very difficult movie cuz it is a it's, weird it's, it's movie so much to handle,
0: yeah, and it's it's I think it's that way by design. Yeah, yeah. Um, but John Houston gives a killer performance. Mm-hmm. Peter Bogdanovich also has a killer performance. Pete, Every Peter
1: Bogdanovich was my my favorite from the oh, yeah. get Peter
0: Bogdanovich, he, he he's he's one of those actors. He's also a director, but he's one of those actor directors that I hate to admit, I always kind of forget about, but he mm-hmm. always delivers quality stuff. It might not be amazing, but it's always going to be at least decent. Yeah. Um but he was great. The the moments that were just him and John Huston's character, uh you know, you you felt the respect. Uh it really kind of felt like Peter Bogdanovich and uh, Orson Welles relationship, which is probably why Peter Bogdanovich killed it because mm-hmm. he knows what Orson Welles is is trying to get in those moments. Um but I, ultimately I feel like the heart is missing and that's because it's so such a personal story to Orson Wells that unfortunately he just didn't get to finish. Yeah. Uh, Again, he might not have wanted to finish it because it was so personal, but I feel like had he been able to finish it, it would have pushed it over the edge from being just a, a solid interesting movie that uh, if I'm honest, I'll probably never watch again Mm -hmm. and pushing it over into greatness. Yeah. Um, but the the feat itself of compiling all of his notes and, and everything just to come up with something is is remarkable in itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as anybody being able to siphon through all of that footage and being yeah. able to edit all that, I feel like it definitely earns its props. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't the uh, wasn't the girl that was in that movie? Wasn't that Orson Welles' like girlfriend at the time?
0: Um Either his girlfriend or his actual wife.
1: Yeah. Um Regardless, yet, romantically at a involved. Point, yeah. Uh this was like what was this filmed in like the eighties, right? It was or maybe uh, before filmed that. filmed
0: in the 70s and the 70 from 1970 to 76 is when it was filmed.
1: Regardless, uh, at one point I sat there and I was like, I'm probably seeing some titties. And then lo and behold.
0: <laughs> that's been a theme for quite some that time. That
1: has been a little bit of a theme. And lo and behold, boom bada bing. Yeah. Uh, that neither of those things had anything to do with each other, but mm-hmm. I was curious about the, the girlfriend thing. And then I brought up the fact that, well, well, I guess they kind of both are attached in a way. Uh, anyway. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the, the thing that I liked about this, the, this is probably the last thing I'll say about it. Cause I feel like otherwise I'm just going to be speaking in circles. Yeah. But the film that was. Uh, Hannaford's film, the character of John Hughes in the film, when we watched what it was, I kind of loved how obscure in a bad way it kind of was. Like it wasn't bad, but it was definitely bad. If that makes sense. Like it it was, it was created by someone who was skilled, but wasn't saying anything. And then you could see the embarrassment in his face Mm -hmm. while watching it with those people. And as someone who has made something that I was proud of, until I played it in front of people, I fucking felt that mm-hmm. hard. <laughs> um, and it's it's something that is so palatable and or not palatable. That's not the right word. Um, it's it's so universal. Like even even if you've just like given a speech in front of a class, that's kind of the same feeling where yeah. you're just embarrassed the entire time. And and the fact that. Orson Welles was still self-aware enough to know that had he done something similar, probably would have the exact same thing probably would have happened. Mm-hmm. I, I found that r- to add character to the film itself.
1: I don't know how much more I actually have to say about it. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, that was like a you lot said, We're just, to say. Yeah, like you said, we were gonna keep running in circles if we keep talking about it, mm-hmm. which I think is the point of this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really.
0: Movies and Friendship. Those are mistress. Mr. Hannaford, could you please go down? Mr. Hannaford! What he creates, he has to wreck. It's a compulsion. Want me to bring you another Scott? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have our own boobies. A real movie. The other side of the me. Well, here it is. If anybody wants to see it. Um, so I guess we could just get into the judgment then. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, th- since this is my pick, I guess I'll go first. If I'm honest, this might be the hardest decision I've ever made because it is, a, it is a solid film. Mm-hmm. It keeps your attention, uh, for the most part. You know, there's a few points in the middle where it kind of loses it but then it brings you back in uh and and john houston and peter bogdanovich and it are just absolute killer um but like i said earlier i think it does miss that heart that would have been there had it been orson welles final edit which we'll never get unfortunately um so with that being said just because it's not his edit. It's not his vision. It's what people think his vision would be. I think we're missing a lot of it. So with that in mind, I don't think it is a, a shelf boy. I don't think it goes on the shelf okay. as much as I wanted to just because I love Orson Welles. And I love the idea of this film of a director realizing that he's capable of making mistakes in front of these people that – love him supposedly yeah um i love that aspect of it but overall i think it just lacks heart uh so yeah i don't think it's a shelf boy well, and that's very hard for me to yeah, say like I, this, keep, <laughs> I keep going back and forth still but. yeah this this one's a
1: i won't say it's generally tough for me i kind of once i finished i realized probably what it was going to be yeah um, as far as the movie goes itself it's an okay movie mm-hmm. um I think I liked the documentary a lot because of how crazy wacky this movie was going to be.
0: Yeah, the documentary is a lot better.
1: Um, And like you said, Orson Welles never actually finished this film. He passed away before it happened. But like I said, I don't think there was ever really an intention to finish it. Uh, That's just my opinion, though. Um, So for me, I'm going in a different point of view with this. Mm -hmm. Although I liked the movie. It was fine. I think the fact that people got together somehow and was able to make a film out of all the shit that was compiled together mm-hmm. and the dedication to the, like, the people who did that, I think I was going to give it a shelf boy because of that alone. Oh, really? But, but you are right in the fact that, it, I mean, it has no heart, but I personally think there was never really going to be heart. Um, that's but that's To say, like, obviously this was kind of like his autobiographical kind of story. But I don't think he had intentions to like finish it. So like there wasn't that heart in it. So like the fact that people finished it, I think that would have been able to give it a shelf boy or just at least make something of it well Isn't now
0: it? you're making me second guess myself no no
1: you put in you put <laughs> you put in your vote boy. i did
0: and it, it breaks my heart really because nah,
1: i mean th- you can do whatever you want that's the power of free will
0: yeah i, I still don't think i will but like yeah. the the like i said before the relationship in this film between john houston peter bogdanovich mm-hmm. is just so beautiful uh, for you know, yeah. lack of a better word, it's just it's, you see the love there. You see that Peter Bogdanovich knows exactly what's going through John Houston's head, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's just it's just surrounded by so much chaos by design, of course, yeah. uh, and, and and kind of loses its way. And I almost would have rather just a straight up normal film about a yeah. struggling director trying to come back. From uh, semi exile, um, yeah. As
1: far as far as the movie itself goes, uh, it, I can take it or leave it. As far as the passion going into the movie goes, yeah, that's that's where I give it and
0: the shelf. I, I think that I can live with this, knowing that the documentary, which sh- showcases that love and effort, yeah. is on the shelf. Yeah. Um, it's
1: also a whole different playing field that we watched the documentary first and not this first. So I'm glad we did it the way we did it.
0: Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. Um, but yeah, it's it's just not enough for me to mm. put it on the shelf. So, The Other Side of the Wind does not make it on the shelf with the likes of They'll Love Me When I'm Dead and Apostle and Handmaiden. You thought I wasn't <laughs> going to say those, did you? I, I was blown away, actually. <laughs> um, but, you know, I still suggest people check this out, especially mm. if you're a lover of film, especially if you love orson wells in any way uh it's it's a feat for sure but i just think it's missing that slight edge yeah if you got Um, a
1: fetish this is definitely the movie for you (laughs) a fetish (laughs) yeah man it's got it's got a feat
0: a lot of kinky shit man yeah um for real uh, but yeah that brings us on to plugs for next week uh as i stated earlier my plug is going to be a full-ass movie Mm -hmm. um it is a movie I watched today on the recommendation of John Clark, our good friend, friend of the podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, if I'm honest, the less you know, the better going into this. Just know that is a horror. it is a horror movie about a uh, Sudanese refugee couple that moves into a haunted house in London. That is all I will say. Everything else, just go see it. (laughs) Good luck luck from there. (laughs) I'm not even going to play part of the trailer here. That's how much I want people to just see it without reading into it. It is on Netflix, and it is called His House.
1: Okay. There we go. Um, Mine is a completely uh, different route, and – Mine went down a little. My other hobby, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been they've been banning really hard on uh, some DMCA striking with music and copyright issues. So like I've been having to go around trying to look for different types of music to play during my streams and stuff like that. Um, and I came across this one, which I'm gonna feel judged. And I already know it, um, called Dragon Ball Lo-Fi. And mm. if if you ever grew up on Dragon Ball like I did, um, it kind of hits you in the heart. There's this uh, guy on YouTube. He's actually on a bunch of obviously different social medias, but there's a playlist on YouTube specifically called Dragon Ball Lo-Fi by Rifty Beats. And uh, it's a 40 minute playlist of all the songs that he's created that were inspired by Dragon Ball specifically. And if you grew up on Dragon Ball like I did, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, yada, 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 um, it kind of hits you in the feels. And that's a reason why I didn't watch as many movies as i did because once i listened to this playlist about 10 times in a row uh i started watching dragon ball so Mm. so i've been cranking a lot of dragon ball out here lately (laughs) so my plug is dragon ball lo-fi by rifty beats on youtube (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay, that is our plugs for this week. Uh, Glenn German Button, Mm. it is your turn to pick a film for us to discuss next week. What is that film?
1: All right, so uh, this is going to also be inspired by something, this pick here. Um, In in memory of the late and great Sean Connery, I decided to pick a film that uh, neither of us have seen hopefully I, I saw that you didn't see it so i'm hoping to god you didn't see it and didn't miss it uh we are going to watch lo- watch um the 1986 film with sean connery clancy brown and roxanne hart directed by russell malkahey I'm, I'm assuming that's how you say his name but uh highlander ah from another time comes a man of great power
0: Talk funny, Nash. Where are you from?
1: Lots of different places. A warrior of incredible strength.
0: You've the devil in you. We've been kinsmen 20 years.
1: Connor MacLeod was my kinsman. I don't know who you are. Because you were born different. Men will fear you. Try to drive you away. <laughs> yes! a man uncertain of his future.
0: What you got here, Brenda, It's a guy who's been creeping around since at least 1700.
1: is um, As far as I know, this Mr. is... Mr. Krabs is in that? Mr. Krabs is in it. Oh. I'm pretty sure he's the bad guy in it, I think. Um, Highlander is about an immortal Scottish swordsman must confront uh, the last of his immortal opponent. Okay, no, I did read that, right? <laughs> a murderously brutal barbarian who lusts for the fabled prize. Ooh. um so yeah that's that's a movie that from what I understand critics kind of hated but it's very loved by a lot of people yeah um so I figured let's give it a sh- let's give it a shot
0: let's give it a shot at the KFR shelf and where can we watch that Uh, as far as
1: I know that's just on Amazon Prime I looked on Hulu and uh Netflix and I didn't see them on there but so Amazon Prime <laughs>
0: cool so that is our that is our assignment for next week, which is Highlander on Amazon Prime. I almost said dot com. I mean that's technically that's dot correct com. too. But as always, you can check out our Instagram, Keystone underscore film underscore review, Twitter, Keystone underscore film, Facebook, Keystone Film Review, YouTube, Keystone Film Review, and on Letterboxd, I am Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it until next week when we get a little Scottish. Oh, and I apologize to everyone in Scotland If it makes you feel any better I feel like you should secede from the UK uh, cause that is <laughs> What you want, and what you want is what you should have But thank you everybody for listening Goodbye Goodbye everybody Goodbye, pusher
1: I fucked your mother, Trebek